Hello and welcome to this Christmassy edition of the Backtracker History Show with me, Alice. And in this festive spectacular, I have loads of Christmas traditions from around the UK. We're going to start off our look at unusual and long-lost traditions with one from the Elizabethan era, when after the big Christmas dinner with all the trimmings, everyone had cleared the Christmas dinner plates away, Elizabethan families would have fun playing the athletic game of Shoe the Mare. The rules were simple to follow. The wild mare was a boy or girl who was given a good start Then all the others chased after him. If caught, his foot was held aloft and the players pretended to shoe it with resounding thumps. The poet Herrick speaks of this game in a verse on Christmas sports. Christmas sports, the wassail bowl. O blind man's buff and of the care, that young men have to shoe the mare. Is a foot a good Christmas present? Because it makes a good stocking filler. Word of the week. And your festive word this week is charrette or nuit de charrette, literally chariot or night of the chariot in French. It's used to describe any last-minute push towards a work goal, particularly during the festive season. It comes from an old practice in Parisian art schools in December the 19th century, where a wheeled chariot would be trundled between desks for students to submit their work into as they worked all night towards their deadlines. Anything not in the chariot by the end of the night wouldn't be marked towards their final grade, hence Night of the Chariot. Now we're moving on to Scotland, where did you know that Christmas only became a public holiday in 1958? Well, that was due to the crisis within the Catholic Church and the subsequent Protestant Reformation across Europe. The Kirk in Scotland became deeply suspicious of anything to do with Roman Catholicism. Eventually, the Scottish Parliament passed a law in 1640 which made celebrating Yule vacations illegal. How did Scrooge win the football game? The ghost of Christmas passed. And so, in Scotland, Christmas was banned, despite the fact that Charles II, who is known as the Merry Monarch, was restored to the throne in 1660. Celebrating Christmas was still deeply frowned upon, north of the border for centuries. Despite all that, I still have some Scottish Christmas traditions to tell you about, one of which is the baking of Yule bread. Yule bread is a tradition which appears to have originated on the islands of Shetland and Orkney, This tasty Christmas bake is made with caraway seeds and plaited into a three-thread loaf. The loaf is turned into a circle which represents the sun. 
Meanwhile, there's a pagan element to this tradition, as the caraway seeds are said to relate to Scottish folklore regarding the spirits of winter. Another long-held tradition in Scotland is burning a twig from a rowan tree during the festive season. Apparently, burning rowan is used as a way to clear away bad feelings of jealousy or mistrust between family, friends and neighbours. And lastly, there's the first footer, a term used to describe the first person to show up at your house on Christmas Day. First footers traditionally arrive and bless their host by bringing a range of treats, including whiskey, salt and bread. It's also traditional for first footers to offer black buns to their hosts. These buns are made from a delicious mix of raisins, currants, almonds, citrus peel, allspice, ginger and cinnamon, all topped off with a layer of pastry. Why did the turkey cross the road? Because it was the chicken's day off. You're listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. Now, we're going to move on to Wales and find out what their Christmas traditions are. On Christmas Day, the custom in many parts of Wales was to attend a very early Christmas church service known as Plygen, daybreak, between 3am and 6am. Men gathered in rural churches to sing, mainly unaccompanied, three or four part harmony carols in a service that went on for three hours or more. The custom managed to survive in many country areas and because of its simplicity and beauty, is being revived in many others. After the service, a day of feasting and drinking would begin. This is a trocky male voice choir singing Silent Night, the Welsh version. And I hope you agree with me that it does have a certain beauty about it. Oh, 
street in this festive edition of the show we're not talking about a street but we are talking about an address with no street name it's just the north pole where famously santa claus lives with his good wife mrs claus but how did this part of the world become associated with santa claus well there is a theory that american cartoonist thomas nast kicked off the idea in an image he drew for the popular magazine Harper's Weekly. In the caption, he put Santa Clausville NP and claimed that the home was near the North Pole in the ice and snow. Another popular belief is that Santa lives in a part of Scandinavia known as Lapland, Korva Tunturi in Rovaniemi, to be exact which is in the Finnish part of Lapland, and dubbed by the Finns as the official home of Santa Claus online. And this area does a roaring trade when at this time of the year, and the snow has fallen, thousands and thousands of young families go hurtling up there to see Santa and enjoy a truly magical Christmas experience. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! In the news today, a family argument has just erupted in Bradley Stoke when seven-year-old Jenny Ellis asked her father for a pony for Christmas. Her dad said, the oven's only big enough for a turkey. Here's another ancient Welsh Christmas tradition. Welsh culture is ancient and steeped in superstition. It is not surprising, therefore, that residents of South Wales enjoy parading an undead horse around their villages to celebrate the happiest time of the year. In a wassailing display dating back to probably Celtic times, the custom involves draping a white sheet over a pole with a horse skull attached and knocking on town folk's door, no doubt giving them the fright of their lives. The party carrying the morbid effigy then sing to the residents, who are supposed to sing back before relinquishing some food or drink. There is some debate whether Mary Lude translates as Holy Mary or Grey Mare. Another Welsh tradition is Kalnig, word meaning New Year's celebration or gift, although it literally translates to the first day of the month derived from the Latin word calends. The English word calendar also has its roots in this word. Anyway, I digress. From dawn until noon on New Year's Day, children in early 19th century Wales would go from door to door carrying a decorated apple pierced with three sticks and decorated with a sprig of box and hazelnuts while singing rhymes, splashing people with water and asking for Kalnig, which were gifts of small change. Cardiff holds its Kalnig celebrations at the Cardiff Civic Centre to welcome the new year, including free live music, fairground rides, a midnight fireworks display and an opportunity to ice skate into the new year at Cardiff's winter wonderland. 
In Stations of the Sun, Ronald Hutton gives the following example of Kalnig rhyme from the 1950s Aberystwyth. Today is the start of the new year, and I have come to you to ask for coins, or a crust and bread and cheese. Oh, come to the door cheerfully, without changing your appearance, before the next arrival of the new year, many will be dead. Bit dark if you ask me. The day after Christmas was celebrated in the early 19th century Wales with the rather unpleasant ritual of homing. Thankfully now an extinct custom. Young men and boys would beat the unprotected arms of young females with holly branches until they bled. In some areas it was the legs that were beaten. In others it was the custom for the last person to get out of bed in the morning to be beaten with sprigs of holly. These customs thankfully died out before the end of the 19th century. Now here's a Welsh custom I can get on board with, toffee evening, or Nossen Givleith. It was a traditional part of Christmas and New Year festivities in some areas of North Wales during the late 19th century. Families would invite friends to their homes for supper, followed by games, making toffee or taffy, and storytelling. When all the ingredients had boiled to a certain degree, the toffee was poured onto a well-greased slate or stone slab. The hearthstone itself was often used for this purpose in some houses. Everyone in the home would then cover their hands with butter and attempt to pull the toffee while it was quite warm. It was a skilled art to pull and twist the toffee until it became golden yellow in colour. Both the skilled and unskilled would take part. What do you get if you eat Christmas decorations? Tinselitis. And now we move on to Christmas traditions in Ireland. And the first one is the Laden Table. The centrepiece of the Christmas holiday in Ireland is the Christmas dinner. In the old times, after the often lavish meal, the kitchen table was again set and on it was placed some bread and milk and the table adorned with a welcoming candle. Just in case Mary and Joseph or any wandering traveller happened by, then they would be assured of a warm welcome and sustenance. Another tradition that was very widespread in the 1970s, but which seems to be dying out nowadays, especially in urban areas, is the candle in the window. Symbolically, the candle represented a welcome to Joseph and Mary as they wandered in search of lodgings. And as with the previous tradition, the candle indicated to strangers, and especially to the poor, that there may be an offering of food within this house. And our last Christmas edition is Women's Christmas, which falls on the 6th of January, the Feast of the Epiphany, and marks the official end of the Christmas season. This tradition was always stronger in the west of Ireland, and it's also a non-urban custom. It goes back to the days when large families were the norm. Men never lifted a finger in the house to help, 
and were never expected to. You see, if a man washed the dishes, he would be called an old woman by the other men. And that's not something that he would, you know, really want. So on women's Christmas, traditionally the men of the house take over for the day, preparing the meals and allowing the women to have a rest. This is also a day on which all the Christmas decorations are removed. On Little Women's Christmas, the women would inhabit the man's domain of the pub without shame. Sitting in the snug, a small private room inside the front door, they would pull the few shillings they'd save for the day. Then they would drink stout and dine on thick corned beef sandwiches provided by the publican. For the rest of the year, the only time respectable women would meet for a glass of stout would be during shopping hours, and then only because it was good for iron in the blood. After an initial chat about the worries and cares of the old year, a pact would be made to leave them outside the door. They'd be as free as the birds in the sky for the day, and well on into the evening. Late at night, with shawls dropped over their shoulders, words slurred and voices hoarse, they would always sing, In my memory, I still hear them bellowing the unofficial Cork City anthem, the banks of my own lovely Lee, where they sported and played neath the green leafy shade on the banks of my own lovely Lee. And lastly, we have the Renboy procession. This procession had its origins from both the pagan and Catholic roots of Ireland. The Wren was initially considered the king of the birds from the pagans, but was later referred to as the devil's bird from the Catholics. It's said to have betrayed the first martyr, St. Stephen, and for this reason during ancient times, on St. Stephen's Day, a wren was hunted and killed. Nowadays, the tradition is quite less brutal. Inhabitants of rural parts of Ireland are often seen parading, dressed in a way that resembles a bird, often just draw suits, celebrating its death to honour the saint on his name's day, December the 27th. Are you tired of seeing the latest social media trends and fearing the worst? Does the daily news bring you down? Are you looking for something new and fun to listen to? Well, well that's, that's where, where we, we come, come in. in. Hi. Hi. It's Frankie. And Garrett. And we host The Ever Trending Story, a weekly podcast where we present a fictional story utilizing the hottest happenings in the world and bring it straight to your earbuds. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go to anchor.fm slash evertrendingpod and subscribe today. Back in the day facts. Let's start off with the 24th of December, 1818 when the first performance of Silent Night took place in the Church of St. Nicholas in Oberndorf, Austria. On the 25th of December, 1826, the Eggnog Riot in the United States Military Academy finishes after beginning the day before. Also on the 25th of December, but in 1950, the Stone of Scone, the traditional coronation stone of British monarchs, 
was taken from Westminster Abbey by Scottish nationalist students. It later turns up in Scotland on the April the 11th, 1951. The 26th of December, 1898, saw Marie and Pierre Curie announce the isolation of radium. Also on the 26th of December, but in 1941, the US President Franklin D. Roosevelt signs a bill establishing the fourth Thursday in November as Thanksgiving Day in the United States. On the 27th of December, 1703, Portugal and England sign the Methuen Treaty, which allows Portugal to export wines to England on favourable trade terms. And lastly, on the 28th of December, 1065, Edward the Confessor's Romanesque monastic church of Westminster Abbey is consecrated. Who is Santa's favourite singer? Elf is Presley! And so that's the end of this seasonal episode and also it's the last show of the year. As, like many of you out there, I'll be spending some quality time with my family and friends. But before I go, I'd love to thank those that really brought those stories to life. And this week, we have Steve Shepherd and Finley Ratnett from our very own Bradley Stoke Radio, as well as Steve and Sam Roberts from St Stephen's Drama Group in Bristol. Thank you, one and all. I'd also like to take a moment to thank you guys because your support and feedback has helped make the show what it is today. I've made so many really good friendships through this podcast, and I'd like to thank you all. So Merry Christmas, everyone, and here's to a fantastic 2023. Thank you once again for listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking up at... Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T, and a capital UK. I also occasionally post onto TikTok and Instagram. So do come along and find me because it's amazing to hear from you and get some feedback or even ideas for future shows. As a small independent podcaster, your help and support is always appreciated. And one way you can do that is to rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a review also helps as it gives other people an idea of what the show's about. The show is regularly released on Mondays. So until next time, guys, take care and look after each other. <laughs>